I feel like I know more than Corey, like when it's running. Yeah, yeah. So like I can actually, <laughs> you can't like. <laughs> I froze up there for a second. I was like, I hit record and I was like, oh, this is weird. I haven't done this in like five or six <laughs> weeks. Oh, so, dang. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, since he went on sabbatical. Oh. So, yeah. Hey, welcome underground. Um, we're, our, we are back. Um hope that you have been enjoying these barriers to movement episodes that we've been doing and uh, that those are encouraging, challenging you to think through your own rhythms and your own, the way that you're thinking about disciple making in Kansas City. So today we're going to hit a pause on those barriers to movement. We're going to make a quick shift over to do what we call our spotlight episode. So these are episodes that we drop in every now and then to highlight a local missionary or a global missionary to talk about how they are multiplying disciples. So today's a little bit of a unique episode in that because um, we, man, that I used a lot of words there that got <laughs> stumbled on the top of each other. Today's a unique spotlight episode because it's not just uh, a local missionary, but somebody that's a part of helping shape our operations team as a part of the Shawnee hub of the Kansas City Underground. So we are talking to Corey McIlvain, who you've already heard on the podcast yep. as a host. With Neil. Yeah. So today yeah. you're a host. Yep. And also the interviewee. The spotlight. Yeah, the spotlight. <laughs> so Corey, uh, you came onto the team. I think it was last June. Yeah, I was going to say it? we're like right at a year. Yep. Yeah. And your specific focus is, we came up with a really clever name, uh, like, <laughs> Citywide student initiatives. Yep. That sounds so like activating and like focused. So also anyway, it's CSI. So it's also. Oh man, I have cool, not put that together. Like yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey, tell us a little bit about citywide student initiatives. Maybe your background, like your passion for students, where that came from. We're just gonna go kind of sure. explore it today. So yeah. we want you as the underground in. So it's two things. This is what I think. One, for those that are connected to the underground in Kansas City that listen to this podcast, uh, part of this is for you to know like, hey, this is somebody else on our team that's helping mm. shape uh, the direction and is a coach that's here to equip you. Uh, but also, if you got students in Kansas City, mm -hmm. like Corey's here to walk alongside of you as a parent to support you, but yep. also to equip and empower your student. The second audience is for those of you that are outside Kansas City, you're either dreaming of gospel saturation in your city or you're seeing a hub emerge in your city and you're going, hey, what do we do about next generation? What do we do about students? Like, yep. well, Corey's bringing that part of the vision to our team. So yeah. I don't I don't know where you want to launch in. Yeah, I'll just, just start go. with my passion, kind of how that <clears throat> got birthed. I mean, I, mainly, you know, so I grew up in a ministry family. Dad's a pastor. Um you know, they were really helpful in allowing me to kind of sift through and figure out what it is that I'm called to, but also putting really healthy parameters as a family. Um, so I grew up, loved my youth pastor, uh, loved my youth ministry experience, continued to, um, you know, uh, after high school, went off to YWAM, spent a year there in Trinidad. And All right. What's YWAM? youth with a mission and I did a DTS which is a discipleship training school and if there are any more yeah, we love our acronyms <laughs> acronyms that I can give you uh, I will um, so yeah I did that came back continued in kind of discipling some high school students around K-Life ministries which is kind of part of like Canicux ministry stuff um, 
but yeah, an expedited version of my story. A lot happened, went through a really difficult season of, uh, wandering and hurt and pain and, um, like a lot of confusion too on my relationship with God and trying to understand what it is I'm called to and why, and, um, why these things in my life occurred, you know, honestly. And, um, out of that season, I ended up moving into colonial Presbyterians youth house on their campus, which was like, you know, you think of a youth house on the campus on its very last leg because they were in the (laughs) process of buying, like building another building. So it was kind of like, yeah, we still have that house. I guess you could live in it, you know, kind of thing. And it was just, it was something. Um, so, but part of that in that season of life, like I was, I was stumbling and struggling and hurting, man. And so God put me in that house and the leaders at Colonial were very much like, you have to uh, volunteer with the students. And I was kind of like, I don't think you know who you're asking to volunteer with. <laughs> Are you sure you want me to volunteer with students? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, to their credit, man, they were really, um, patient with me and, and mm. a lot, a lot of grace and some things and. So I started pouring in and I kind of had grown up in a non-traditional kind of shifting of church and ministry methodology. You know, my dad went through a lot of different, you know, things. And so, um, yeah, you guys had what we would call early, I mean, like 15 years ago, kind of a micro church network, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're as a, I think I've heard you say this before, even from like eighth grade on, you are already mm-hmm. deconstructing yeah. Yeah, we, forms of the church. That, yeah. Because of a trip to China we did with a bunch of different people and like literally saw underground house churches and it was like, what the heck? So like my dad's mind was getting expanded and pushed to its limits. And so like as such, you know, his kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did too. You're right in the flow of it. Yeah. yeah. So at Colonial, you know, it was kind of like a reinvigoration that God kind of honestly put me in this position of going, um, hey, are you going to you going to keep thinking that you're going to get all the answers that you want? Mm-hmm. Or are you just going to go and do what I'm ask, asking you to do? Mm. It's like, oh, man, I don't like that question. <laughs> yeah. But it was very much like I'd been sitting in the book of Job for like years <laughs> and like struggling and just kind of like, gosh, what the heck, you know? And uh, it was very much this Job-esque moment, you know, where it was like, okay, either this is going to go or not. And so from that moment, I just started pouring in and they kind of put me with a younger high school crew and. I started to walk with them and just said, I'm going to be super intentional with a few mm-hmm. and just see what God will do. Cause at that position as a volunteer, you know, you're kind of in that luxury. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> luxury. I mean, I say that now, um, because you're in this position of like, you can truly focus and give your appropriate efforts towards the few to really help go, you yeah, know, release yeah. them, you know, cause and, you don't have to run the whole ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of get to show up and do your thing, you know? And it's like, there's a lot of beauty in it, uh, but it does take commitment. You know, mm-hmm. it does take that commitment to the relationship and the individuals. So, um, in that same time, Osmond and I, Corey, the other Corey, <laughs> um, it, just started interacting because he was still at Colonial at the time. And so, um, he was starting to just kind of, you know, we were just, fit, you know, outside of the box thinkers, kind of apostolic dudes that were, you know, he had been doing the youth ministry for a long time and had been shifting out of some things. And so, as I was coming in, you know, we were just having a lot of conversations and, um, he was helpful and kind of helping me think through some things about how to release the student 
mm. you know, back to the school to do a lot of the ministry. So oh, yeah, yeah. I just started seeing some fruit from that and some really cool stuff at a few different high schools in Olathe. And so that time led me into becoming, you know, the full-time youth pastor eventually. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of like where the passion, I, I would say almost got reignited yeah. towards students. But I mean, what I loved the most was uh, like students now are not looking for the BS, um, you know, up front, like we've got it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they're looking for the transparent one. They're looking for the person who's not trying to pull the wool over their eyes. They want the truth. They want somebody to really talk to them. And that's like, that's what I excel at yeah, <laughs> to yeah. say, like, cause it's like, this is me. Either you love that or it's like, you know, we're going to have to massage that relationship. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. um, and, and students just, it's really helpful because I think they're in a position that's like, they don't want to be forced to go to anything, even though oftentimes they are in youth ministries, you know, yeah. um, but giving them an opportunity. And when, when I did give them opportunities to lead and just like step up, they did. Always, and it man. was like instantaneous step up, you know, it was like, and that's the part where it's like, I'm passionate about students because especially in the high school realm, it's like you give them something and then they'll do it the next day. Yeah. Like if they're truly passionate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's none of that phoniness about it. And it doesn't take a long time to convince them that the great commission is for them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, I didn't even realize that I should go do something about it. You know, like the yeah. ones that it's like, really, there's this mark on them. Like, it's like, boom, they do it. Yeah. So like, that's, that's where the passion came from. And so that's why I love working with kids and students and, and also parents, because I think they're in that same boat of like, I, I'm not, you know, one thing I try to communicate to with parents with the underground stuff and is that uh, I'm not taking your job over mm. and I never will, you know, like I believe in you as parents more than anything. And that is the primary place that they will grow, you know, and the secondary place that I can partner alongside you is where I can be, you know, which can in nature be much more of a, a catalyst, you know, much more of a spark than this long term. And I, we can partner alongside in the long term, but ultimately that has to be uh, you as parents and us as those who want to make <laughs> disciples within that student realm. Yeah. Yeah. So the underground is not a church. We keep saying that we're a network of missionaries and micro churches, everyday disciple makers that want to multiply disciples. Uh, it, it, but it is the church in the sense that we are the the family of God. Mm-hmm. We just exist in unique contexts all over the city. We're not sure. trying to pull people to a central location. We want to multiply missionaries. We want to multiply everyday disciple makers. We want to multiply microchurches and collectives, which are these gatherings of microchurches in geographic areas mm-hmm. or affinities. We just want, like, we're, we're trying to be an organization that is... Uh, prophetic in its organization in the sense that we're trying to say, Hey, the way that we're structured and formed, we want to speak to other prevailing forms that are not releasing the people of God and say, there, there are other ways to imagine and to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that, that's not like a, but uh, I hope that now that I'm listening to myself say <laughs> that I can hear how that might come across as very arrogant or what we just, we, we are aware of our calling in the city. Sure. Uh, and we actually want to partner with all forms of the church. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, we're not saying we're the only way. Mm-mm. We just want to say there are other ways. And I was recently talking to somebody and just saying like, 
I, I think there's, I remember early on listening to a few of our friends in, in the Tampa underground and they would say like, we, we know that there's an end to the underground in Tampa. And I was like, no, don't say that. Yeah. Don't say that. <laughs> like I, th- this is something new and fresh and I'm digging it. Like, this is awesome. Mm. And they're like, no, there, there needs to be a day where this ends. And I was, it took me a while to get around and understand what they were mm. saying was like, we questioned the forms of the church and we arrived at this. Yep. Like Jesus led us to a new thing. And we hope that our kids one day will just as much question the form of the church totally. and ask, what should we look like for this day? Now, I think it will always look like a family on mission, but the structures and the systems around it will look different, right? So yeah. I gave all that context to say, like, when we first started talking about you joining our team, like, it was wrapped around, we just believe we cannot create the same thing. You know, and so we have this overarching vision for the underground of gospel saturation in Kansas City that every man, woman, boy, and girl would have repeated opportunities to see, hear, experience, and respond to the gospel. You bring like a nuanced vision <laughs> underneath that vision, right? It's like uh-huh. this is the lane that I run for the sake of gospel saturation. Uh-huh. So, like, why don't you share a little bit about like what piece are you owning? Uh-huh. Yeah. So on the student side, you know, like, and I think the nuanced (laughs) piece of that is like last year in the pandemic, you know, I'm laid off and, um, really asking God, like, what the heck is next? I know that I love students and I I really want to do something in that realm, but I don't know what that looks like, God. Cause I, I did know in my mind and I was looking pretty frequently at the statistics of youth ministry and kind of that age groups like biblical worldview and it's like plummeting to all time lows. And I think, I mean, I hope that, um, you know, COVID maybe sparked some new interest, you know, didn't help go the other way, but you know, to be determined on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I think I was just going, what do I do? And so <clears throat> part of my like big vision, things come to me often in the shower. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm like thinking in the sh- and like, uh, which is a normal thing. I know brain activity in the shower and just kind yeah. of like, yeah. Anyways, we can stop talking about my showers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the main part, you know, that kind of came to me and I, I definitely felt like it was God in that season where it was like, I knew that what worked every time in anything I did with students and youth ministry were trips of some form. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it. Because every time at the end, we would always ask them their senior years, what was the best thing you did? My trip to dot, dot, dot. It could be freaking North Dakota mm-hmm. for all that matters. You no, know? no offense to no those offense. of you in I do- North Dakota. I love North Dakota. Um, <laughs> but like it could be any, I mean, it could be Western Kansas. I'll bag on our own state. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's a terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like it could be anywhere. Truly. And it was just this, it's like this momentary experience that the students have where like everything goes away. Mm -hmm. They're gone from their cell phone. They're gone from school. They're gone from family stuff. They're gone from usually their immediate friendships. um, And they're in this, this spot where it's like, they're really going to have to make a choice because everything we're doing is surrounded around Jesus is Lord. God is everything of our life. And what are we going to do about it? Kind of Mm -hmm. thing, you know? And most of the time you would see them make these pretty powerful declarations and statements forward. And yeah. it was like, uh, it was like this really big spark. But what I kept seeing was it would peter out. Yeah. Right. And so it would happen. And then on the back end, it's gone. And it's like, wow, what are we doing? You know, yeah, like yeah. 
you know, we should be capitalizing on that spark, not yeah. allowing it to, to just fade away. And I know it is different that when you go away than when you come back to school. But I think my view, so, you know, I had this one thing, trips. I already love to travel adventure of all kinds, whatever it is, skydive, surf, I, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Bungee yeah. jump, I don't care. Um, because I just love those experiences and they're fun. And I just, anyways, and I love doing it with other people to experience that with them and, and, and students even more so because it's like they've never experienced anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And so it's just like getting to see that just amps me up. So I had this. On the other side, I knew what worked was discipleship and release mm-hmm. and like continue ongoing coaching from the background. Like, yeah. So I need these two things worked at some capacity. How do I maybe combine these two things? And so then came the nuanced portion where I was like, what if we basically did trips where the entire premise was to help train them, go make disciples inside of their schools? Mm-hmm. That, that's it. So that, that's the premise of it. And then we would pair them up with an ongoing coach from the trip, mm-hmm. which would mean, you know, most of these trips would be like the, the ratio of student to leader would have to be helpful, you know, yeah, not yeah, out yeah. of whack, you know, yeah. because most of them were out of whack. You know, yeah. you go to Haiti and be like a hundred kids to five leaders. And it's like, <laughs> good luck. That you know? sounds not safe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's, you know, you, you can kind of have some impact, but the depth of it, you had to kind of pick and choose. And so, yeah. you know, when I came to, to the underground stuff, that was, you know, pro- predominantly my pitch was these trips, you yeah, know, yeah. like, I really believe that these trips will be catalytic moments for students to really basically rise, you know, raise up missionaries to then train, equip, and then as they come back, really release them into the harvest. Because what I always saw was they were so much more effective at reaching their friends totally. than when we did this whole thing of, hey, get your friends to come to the Wednesday night. And it was like, that just never worked. Yeah, yeah. Maybe for a season it did. You know, there was a... a place and time for that you know like i would even say like my dad's experience was that like Mm -hmm. he came (laughs) right yeah but it that just seems to be changing quite a bit you know and i think uh the more and more students are spending time in online places which is fine like i'm not against or anti um but where kind of their realm is more in social media or through their phones or like that's the connection like i think they're actually hungry and and thirsty for more oh yeah it's just the version of more that we're giving them is not really detailed relationships, you know? Yeah. Well, I want to come back to here, the whole owning the 88 high schools or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I, I, want, I don't want to say it because I'll mess up the wording. <laughs> but there are two principles. I'm going to say both of them so that I don't forget the second one, which is, you know, understanding. You've been called to a people group. Mm-hmm. So remind me of that one if I forget. The first yep. one, though, is you're highlighting a missional principle of liminality. Yep. So Alan Hirsch... Uh, talks about this in the Forgotten Ways, which is you know, uh, pick up the Forgotten Ways and read it if you <laughs> so haven't. Good. Uh, but the idea of liminality is, uh, I, th- I think he uses these um, kind of African tribes, where you have uh, men that live in one section, and then the women and the kids that live in the other section, and at some point, the boys are taking out taken out into the wilderness for like a three-day march, uh-huh. and then they're just left. Yep. I'm, I'm giving you like the crass version right, of this, right. right? And if they make it back, they go live with the men. Uh-huh. If they don't make it back, they don't make it back. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> so brutal. I'm, yeah, la- I'm, it's la- I'm laughing because I'm yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, yeah. But the idea that like he is 
placing that in the missional context is understanding like we all go through liminal spaces like that. Yeah. And the liminal space the is when you're in that in between, mm-hmm. you're not fully a mature version of your yourself and you're not a child version of yourself anymore. You're figuring out like, who am I going to become? Yep. You know, and, and I love that about what you're doing with these students in the sense that you're creating and so for, for adults too, like I'm saying, you go through liminal spaces whether you want to or not. And most of the time they're thrust upon us. Yeah, right? from I a mean, non-religious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I'm going world, through a crisis yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, the pandemic is a liminal moment. Totally. Who will we be as the church on the backside? That's yeah. one way to look at it at a, at a macro perspective. You can look at it from a micro as well. But then what you are doing is creating a liminal space that is challenging and in some ways is like safe and guarded and mm-hmm. and there is some fun attached to it totally. like on yeah. the back side of it you didn't get eaten by a lion yeah. you know what i mean like you're not dead <laughs> yeah you still had a great experience <laughs> yeah. you hiked mountains you probably went surfing of some, yeah. yeah yeah but like you're creating it in such a way that to propel them back into becoming a more mature version of themselves mm-hmm. to own like this fully alive life that Jesus is inviting them into. So beautiful. I'm just yeah. challenging you as adults to think about that in your own lives. Mm. Like how do you create liminal spaces for yourself, for your family, for your microchurch to propel you towards the more that Jesus is calling you into? Yeah. So the second principle was, oh, just being called back into people groups. So recognizing, mm. like, students are the best at reaching their friends, not mm. the creepy 30-year-old that, you <laughs> yeah. know, why is he hanging around here uh-huh. so much? Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> plus they speak the language better. You can learn the language. It's good that you said 32, because, like, that's the number. Once you're beyond that, that's, yeah. you're creepy. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the, they speak the language. They don't, they're not having to learn it. They're fluent in it because yep. they are, are in it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, whereas it's like... We learn the language, but we're mm-hmm. like, I learned the language yeah. and I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Italy and you're laughing at me because yeah. I said, it's I said it outsider. wrong. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so there's a love also for their own people group because they are uh-huh. the people group. Uh-huh. So I'm also not trying to derail this, but just highlighting some things that like, I think it's beautiful that you exegeted the whole idea, right? You didn't just try to push play on an old model. You didn't try to just tweak it. It mm-hmm. was like, what are we missing? Jesus revealed us. It's like, well, Jesus did mm-hmm. this with the disciples. Mm-hmm. He takes them through these the liminal time. spaces yep. and then more mature self yep. invest in new ways. Yeah. yeah. On, on the liminal piece, like I think the part even too, like with students that like I was recognizing was when you tell them some things like the great commission, I, I think there's some recent numbers out about America and yeah. the, like recognition that over the 50% yeah. don't know the great commission yeah. and what it means. Yeah. So uh, take that. And I would say that's probably way higher with students right now. Um, yeah. Cause they're not biblically <laughs> literate. Yeah. I mean, there's a 4% biblical worldview currently <laughs> with this next generation. So you just go, okay, that's, that's a huge gap, but that actually gets me more excited because they don't have to deconstruct. They don't have to deconstruct. <laughs> yeah. Like when I tell them, like, for instance, we did already a solo day, like a single day retreat. And it was like telling them about movements around the world that are going on. You tell most other adult Americans within church circles. They're like, yeah, that's cool. I've heard stories. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard things. These kids' minds were blown. Yeah. It was like, that's going on. Why is that not going on here? 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, well, great question. That's what I want to know. You know? I, I don't, I'm, again, I don't want to be too like abrasive toward the prevailing model, but part of it is, uh, this is my assumption, just yeah. throwing this from the yeah. hip here, is, you know, when I say they're not biblically literate, there's more biblical literacy than I was willing to give credit for probably. But it's, you know, we create these like zero to, you know, um, middle school, whatever, fifth, sixth, seventh grade before they make some transition. And most of it is around morality-based teaching. Sure. Like, have integrity, and do I'm going to tell you this, a story. that, yeah. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. But, like, how much of that was, like, go make disciples? No, you know, the little, mission, yeah. it's, it's more about, like, behavior shaping mm-hmm. than it is about the whole narrative, the whole story of, like, you know, God created the garden, you know, in this space, yes, because he wanted to be with us. And then, yes, integrity is a part of it or mm-hmm. whatever other moral you want to bring mm-hmm. into it. But it's like, but it's around the mission of God restoring all things, of bringing shalom to every mm-hmm. part of the planet. And like, it's our job or not our job. He's inviting us to participate rather with mm-hmm. him in this. And yep. it's like, I, I just, in, in what we're creating, that's even, as I'm saying it, I'm like, okay, that's the challenge for me as a parent right now too, is to like give my kids a more holistic narrative that mm-hmm. is beyond just like be better, don't lie to <laughs> Papa. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're breaking relationship, and mm-hmm. Jesus is inviting you to restore this with me. <laughs> so, totally, man. Anyway, sorry that yeah. was a sidebar. No, hey, that's so good. I think part of that too. Like actually, I just finished reading a book called "If You Can Keep It" by mm-hmm. Eric Metaxas, and oh, it's basically Eric, about yeah. um, some aspects of America that are both beautiful and messy. And like the veneration of heroes that were worth it. And anyways, he kind of wraps it up at the end of the book. I literally finished this last night. So it's fresh in my brain. Um, He talks about how we've, we've forgotten a lot of the important um, things and holidays and why we do them and how to remember those good things. Mm. And so as those have gone away, so it got me thinking about actually Jewish holidays too, and kind of thinking about the Pentecost and some of these other ones, Passover atonement, you know, all these ones that are like, they're, extremely powerful um, moments in history as a believer. And mm. like, we've gotten so far removed from that. So it just made me think of almost Pentecost. And it was like, yeah. so last night my wife and I started having conversations like, Hey, I think we should, I want to celebrate Pentecost every year Yeah, with our kids. Like, yeah, because yeah. this is the remembrance of he is imparted unto mm. all wow. this unbelievable Holy spirit um, who will walk with you as Jesus is gone, you know, like, and that, you can do this. And this is the call is to move forward and make disciples. And I was like, that is such an important piece that we forgot to remember every year. (laughs) I'm smiling because I'm like, I'm doing this next year. man. (laughs) We are celebrating Pentecost in our house. And my wife was like, Pentecost, you know, and she was like, what is that? You know, she just didn't grow up in a context that, you know, like my dad, you know, would have explained a lot of things to me. And like, anyway, so, and she was like, well, what would that look like? I was like, Let's just have a party. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll retell the story of Pentecost. Yeah. And we'll just remember that and sit in that and remind our kids that like God has called you to this. Like mm-hmm. this is not reserved for the adults and, and the experts. So right. Good. And that's the piece that I try to r- always re-remind kids of is yeah, like, yeah. we need you badly, severely. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The more and more that I think that I've figured this out, the further and further away we're going to get from generations having gigantic gaps, you mm-hmm. know, which is basically what happened in Europe, right? You see whole generations missed. And it's like, yeah. oh, 
I just don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, you were going to ask them. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, pulling in that language about the high schools owning the lostness. You know, when we say, again, gospel saturation, it's like, how do we do that? Well, each of us needs to own a part of the lostness of the city. Mm-hmm. Like we, and, and that comes from Ephesians 2, right? That we have a masterpiece mission that he has created us for. He prepared these works for us in advance. And again, it's an invitation into this. Uh, and it's a holy invitation. And so, anyway, the I don't know. Sometimes that language sounds, I'm, I'm going to own the lostness. But no. it's like, it's it doesn't have to be weird. It's has, it's like this. Champion. Yeah, like it's this too, beautiful yeah. thing that like, no, I really desperately want to bring the good news of Jesus to the, this people group. Mm. So what's the language that you've used, I guess, with the high schools of how you're kind of casting this vision of a microchurch in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've kind of, as things, you know, I started with that idea of the trip side, you know, and then it's kind of like, which I think God put that intentionally in that that order, if that makes sense. Like, it didn't start with a, here are all the things that I want to see. You know, it was more of like, a, just do that. Yeah. Just figure that piece. And then as that's gone on, you know, trying to go, okay, well, what, what would that look like as they continue on, you know? Mm-hmm. What would my desire be? So. I just kind of dropped a pin in KC, did a 30-mile radius, and just went, okay, what if, you know, there are about 88 high schools in that area. Um, What if we could see, you know, 88 student-led, you know, somewhat adult (laughs) coached, partnered, partnered, you know, not led by the adult, but student-led spiritual family microchurch in every single one of those high schools, Mm. right, which would then require 176 student missionary disciple makers. Come on. Right. So like that, that's the goal of the vision. Right. And, and my, my process through doing that for now, right now is just a, the trips, you know, and so those trips can look everything like, um, doing one in Kansas city to doing one where we're going this summer to the smoky mountains to doing one in Haiti to see actual on the ground DMM practitioners mm-hmm. to going to Kenya with seniors to going to Argentina. So like there's, there's a vast amount of options. It's just a different, they're all the different routes and different locations with the same end goal yeah yeah (laughs) to catalyze create that spark partner with ongoing coaches that will help them kind of plant the gospel inside of their schools Mm -hmm. and then see those spiritual families emerge once that you know god continues to open those doors yeah i love what you're saying too it just i know we we should have talked about this i guess a second ago when we were talking about the trips but it's like for most people or, or I should say for most people that grew up in a prevailing model church experience, right? The, so you had a youth group or whatever. Mm-hmm. Your experience was the trip happens, you know, hey, over the holidays we're going to take our winter retreat, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. So it's like kind of an ending sort of feel hmm. or whatever. And then the yeah, summer trip true. was like, hey, we're doing our summer trip. But it's like that was at the end of the school year mm-hmm. and there's no – it's it's a cul-de-sac and an ending point in sure. a way. Yeah, it's a culmination piece for them. Yeah. yeah. And what you're saying is like to flip the script on, yep. no, this is the beginning point. And I'm yep. sure everybody else understood that when we said that a minute ago. It just clicked in my brain Yeah. of like this is the launching point yep. of vision towards a microchurch in your school. And it may be multiple microchurches mm-hmm. in all of these schools. Maybe, yeah. You know, to see like this again – viral multiplication, multiple generation happening. That's so beautiful Mm. that the students will have a vision to own that themselves. I don't have to wait till I graduate. Mm -hmm. I don't have to become an adult. Mm. 
I don't, you know, it's like, no, let no one look down upon you because you're young. Yeah. Like go lead, go become a spiritual brother and sister, but also a spiritual parent yeah. to the eighth grader, to the sixth grader, whatever it is like totally to give your life away for them. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not just even in, so I, there's one student that I've been walking alongside and he, he is uh, chosen through COVID to go online. Right. So that, you know, you also have kids that are homeschooled. So you have kind of a unique piece there. And actually, like, I find myself helping and training them. Uh, wh- what do you do for fun? You know, like mm-hmm. almost training them in w- being relational, mm-hmm. like learning those simple things. Because, like, sometimes for adults, some have that figured out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some don't. But I think more times with students, you have to kind of walk alongside that. And I love that piece. But one of the kids is a skater, you know, so he chose to do online school. But he skates. I mean, seven days a week. Yeah. He's at the skate park, different one, you know, and, but he kept going to the single one. And as we kept meeting, I was like, well, is there anybody there? And he was like, yeah, actually this one kid, Brock, he came up to me, he's in eighth grade. And he's like, uh, you know, he wanted to learn some tricks from me. I was like, dude. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. That's an open door. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, okay. You know, so he started hanging out with him. But all of a sudden he's now got, he's like doing a DBS with this kid, you know, in the, wow. in the span of like a month or two. Yeah. It wasn't like. Yeah. anything crazy you know so like they're also just that you know yeah. where it's like there's some natural places that they already exist you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. all the time even yeah. when they're not physically in the school they have things that they do a lot you know so whether that's gaming or, or, or anything else like it's not that hard to build rela- like a lot of them have friends and relationships through gaming and yeah. like there's absolutely ways to kind of just allow God to open doors and have the eyes to see. But I I don't know why that came to mind, but I was just like, well, the same is true to go back to the point of people groups. It's like as, Mm. as a high schooler, there's like the macro people group of high schoolers, but then there are so many, so tribalized even within that. And I, I don't mean to use that term negatively. It's just like, you know what it's like to be in high school. You know what I mean? There are totally the, the different little, I think, you know, people call them clicks or whatever, you mm. know, it's like, what, what's, what, what are your people within even that, yep. uh, that bigger people group of high school students <laughs> or middle school students? Yeah. These are, this is my sphere of influence yeah. because I'm on the football team or I play soccer or I'm in the band or art or anything. I yeah. do, yeah, drama or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's like y- you have, you know, your people yep lean into your people group yep. it's here's the thing like what i'm hearing what i hope everybody's hearing is like at the end of the day students aren't any different Mm-mm. we've kind of been treating them probably a little different oh well, maybe not we did sunday mornings and we invited everybody to that and invite your friends so we're doing it with yep. students we just made it more fun now we're trying <laughs> to flip true. it and say yeah. hey adults you're missionaries to a people group who did yeah. jesus send or to whom did jesus send you mm-hmm. and then we're saying, you know, young people, next generation, this is just as much for you. To yep. whom did Jesus send you? Yep. The the framework is no different. It's just contextualized for that people group. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think we've just, um, it's been a model that has been the same for a while, you know, um, which I think there is absolutely some fruit in, you know, um, but I think we're talking movement, you know, let's like, well, that, that question, how, how to see movement changes what you have to do in the equation. Mm. And so like, 
I don't want to also be in a position where I'm over contextualizing, you know, but I, I do go, yeah, I think yeah. most students, I think most people, or maybe even I should say most Americans yeah. <laughs> like trips, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I think a lot of people in other cultures love to travel if they can, yeah. you know, but Ad- like adventure is at the, totally in the soul. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think God put that in our hearts and I totally. think even at, at that age, it's like, it's even more so that, you know, so like most kids that I meet in youth groups or anything, they want to do an international trip so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, where did that come from? Like, it's like wired into their heart, you know? And I think that like fades the less you do it, you mm-hmm. know, as like adults, as they get older, that I think there's a desire for adventure, but it's almost the reality of it is so yeah, far it's hard out. To, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just blanked. <laughs> I was I was headed somewhere and then I looked out the window and got lost. <laughs> I do I do love though that you know it's like owning again at the forefront is like for you the trip is not the point mm-hmm. is the disciple making and the multiplying and the how do we partner people up together to say like invest your life into another person and teach yep. them the rhythms and the ways of Jesus. Yeah. And you know, I I just want to celebrate it. I'm yeah. thankful that you're a part of the team <laughs> shaping that. I want to say to those, again, that are listening that are in Kansas City, if you want coaching from Corey for whatever you're doing with students um, or trying to shape a vision or thinking through, man, I'd love to partner with the underground. for the Like you're in a prevailing model church, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, partner with Corey in that. Again, like let's yeah. see gospel saturation in the city together. We're not trying to do this alone. We want to partner yeah. with everybody. So, um, Corey McElvain, McElvain at Casey Underground. At Casey yeah. Underground. So, uh, figure out how to spell that yeah, or just go to the luck. website and uh, y- yeah. you can find it. If you're outside of the city and you're going like, oh man, this is this is sort of making me my brain that's mm-hmm. challenging me to think in ways that we haven't for our network yet, yeah. and you want some coaching from Corey you can literally find him the same way. Yeah. I was also going to add like in the partnership piece, like that is a strong desire of mine on the trips. Like I, you know, so I don't want this sense of like students from other places are coming on this trip and then, you know, they're in something else is like, I don't have that view. (laughs) It's like students go to this high school and they may go to this youth group and then they may come on this trip, but part of them from that youth group, I want to partner with those youth groups in the city. And I want to partner with those youth groups in the country, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, cause it's like, it's not impossible to figure out, you know, like there's a dude out in Arizona right now that him and I are connecting. It's like maybe somewhere down the line internationally, you could just jump in on this trip and you as a leader have three to four students. And like, that's all you do. Yeah. You're just going to pour into them. And, and that's and we'll what sparks the, the movement. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, I, I want the trip to not be just a, our trip. Yeah, yeah. I want the trip to be a representation of where a lot of different people can come in on the boat and just go like, man, we're all kind of together linking arms and then scattering back into our cities and places where God has placed us and just going, so good. love it because I want those youth pastors or their volunteers within those ministries to also come along with them. Like, I don't have a desire for my leader to be their ongoing coach. Like, you already have those ongoing coaches. Let's just utilize that and capitalize on this moment. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah. Also, uh, if you just want like regular equipping the youth ministry shift yeah. podcast, yeah. so find that on any podcast channel that you're used to using. So mm-hmm. the youth ministry shift, 
or Corey McIlvain at caseyunderground.org for coaching, yeah. for connection. So, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving yeah, your story, man. Corey. Love it. And, uh, yeah, see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.